Hi, and welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler, the Christian Productivity Coach. One of the things that I've really loved about doing this podcast is all the diverse stories that I've been able to share with you. Every guest has such a unique path in their career and in their faith. But the one thing that ties every story together is the unchanging faithfulness of God. Of all the episodes that I've done, this one, I admit, has a very special place in my heart. My guest is photographer Gabe McMullen. Gabe is a talented and successful photographer, but a few years ago, Gabe's future felt bleak. Working long hours as a line cook, Gabe spent hours every day after work escaping into the isolation of video games and drinking. In this episode, Gabe shares how God used an invitation from a friend and a new passion project to turn his life around. Gabe's story is filled with hope and faith, and I hope that you will be as inspired by his story as I was. You can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Gabe online at donsadler.com slash 041. You'll meet Gabe in just a moment. But first, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our free daily planning tool, The Peak Page. The Peak Page includes five different high-performance productivity tools on a single page to help you get more time, energy, and results in your day. Download your free copy at donsadler.com slash peak. And now, let's meet Gabe. Hi, Gabe. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me, Don. So, um, you and I, I feel like, are old friends by now because uh, <laughs> this is a podcast episode that we have tried to record numerous times, yeah. um, and uh, there was always something that went wrong, which just means you have a powerful story that I know is going to inspire and impact a lot of people. So, thank you for your patience with the process. Yeah, it's totally fine. I'm super th- excited to be here. So let's start off uh, by having you share a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, so I, my name is Gabe. I am from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is this super small town that has like big city vibes here and there. But uh, yeah, I grew up in the area and you know I never thought I was going to live here long term or even into the mid to late 20s. But I am currently a wedding photographer. Uh that has been full-time for about two years now. Uh, and it's been, you know, one of the best jobs in the world because every, every weekend ends in dancing and cake. So it's pretty hard to beat. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So it's been, it's been good. Um, the journey to become a photographer has been, um, very difficult and not a traditional way that most people get there. Um, yeah, let's talk about that cuz I um you and I got connected, let me just yeah. say, from another one of our podcast guests by the name of Jordan Jones, uh one of my favorite episodes. I don't remember the episode number, but um she, uh, they specialize in helping wedding professionals mm-hmm. and that's how you and I got connected. Um but when once we did, I just thought your story was so powerful because it was not anywhere in your head that you were going yeah. to become a wedding photographer, right? No, not no. I I thought I was going to be a manager of a restaurant uh, out of high school, and like, I mean, that was the dream. That was like the vision. Was like, oh, I'm going to own a restaurant someday. Um, 
and you know, I worked in food service for about 10 years before I picked up a camera. And by like year seven, I realized how much I hated it and did not love it. And I mean, anybody that's called to be in, in food service, I mean, that is, that is, um, I'm really happy for you and proud of you that you guys can do that, but it is a hard job. Yeah. And there was a lot going on. Um, there was a lot going on outside the job too. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's just kind of start with, um, with what happened once you got out of school, walk us sort of through that story. Yeah. So I went to Lock Haven university. Uh, my first year was in 2009 as a freshman and, um, yeah, you know, I just thought it was going to be one of those go to school for four years, get a degree in business management, do the restaurant thing. Uh, and about two and a half years in, into the school in, into schooling, it was like 2011. Uh, I realized just how much depression and anxiety that I had. Um, and a lot of that was building up in my life for years. Uh, I was in this like pretty catastrophic car accident when I was in second grade. Uh, we were carpooling to our school. Uh, my brother was a year older than me. So he was in the car with me and then there were two older girls and their mother. And, uh, we got into a car accident and thankfully there were no serious injuries. The driver had a broken leg, but I remember I passed out, um, had a concussion, I think. And, uh, yeah, it was spent the next two days in the hospital with my brother. Uh, we were hospitalized mostly just because they didn't know what was if there was anything wrong with us or if, um, anything could come up, but they just wanted to make sure that we were okay. Um, so that was a pretty traumatic time in the hospital and it caused like a lot of, um, irrational fears. And, um, like I was afraid to take showers as a kid. I was afraid the house was going to burn down, like just really weird things. I was afraid of sharks like everywhere. So that like, those fears helped bring on depression uh, and anxiety, which I didn't know that's what they were until I was about ready to drop out of college. Uh, so I ended up failing my last semester. I had a 0.08 GPA, uh, which is crazy. Um, I should have just like quit college a long time before that, but I, you know, I stuck it out cause I felt like that's what I needed to do. Um, yeah. So 2011, I dropped out and went back to being a line cook at a restaurant. Uh, and yeah, for the next four years, I was doing, uh, doing that food service stuff. I was, um, I would come home from work at like noon or, uh, you know, late at night sometimes and just like play video games the entire time. And sometimes I would just like try to get as drunk as possible playing games and, yeah, that was it. That was the the epitome of my my life was uh, how can I get intoxicated and play video games? Uh, and I never really thought of myself as like an alcoholic, but it was definitely a, a huge part of my life for about a year and a half. Was the drinking and the depression and anxiety all linked? Uh, I don't think so. I think when you're depressed, you always try to find something that is going to give you some sort of relief from that pain or that suffering. And at the time I was using video games and, um, rum and Cokes. Um, and, and so, yeah, 
it's just one of those things other people will use any other kind of addiction. Sometimes that's uh, gambling or smoking or uh, other drugs. It's so interesting because I, I think your story is so compelling because it's easy to put this faith and work category in a box and it looks like this and everything always went great. Yeah. And um, this was a time of your life where things were not great. And maybe your the trajectory that you were on was, um, was maybe not what you had planned. Um, but I think it's an important story to know because it was in that moment that things shifted for you. Mm, and I, yeah. I think that's important because I think there's people listening to this who maybe nobody in their life knows but they're thinking that's me. That sounds a lot like me right now. And nobody would guess it because I go to church and, and yeah. everything is fine. But um, but it's a, a very isolating thing to walk through, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh I yeah, I just remember like never really feeling like I had a ton of friends. Um mm -hmm. just because I wouldn't ever put myself out there for people. And <laughs> it's crazy, like the people that I talked to, like nobody would have guessed that that was my situation five or six years ago because of the people that I surround myself with now. Um, mm. Yeah. And getting out of that spot, I don't, I don't know of like traditionally how people get out of those kind of situations. I only know what happened to me. Um, I was, I forget where I was, but somebody gave me a book, a really good friend of mine gave me a book called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years by Donald Miller, who is this like incredible Christian author that just like writes these memoirs about his life. And that book was about writing the movie script to the book Blue Like Jazz, which he previously wrote. Uh, and so it was just like a funny, like four-dimensional book in a way. Uh, and it was the book's basis was on how do you live a good story? And if you don't have a good story, nobody is going to care about you when you die in a way. Uh, it sounds terrible, but um, yeah, it's basically, it's like, what am I doing in my life right now to create a better story? And I looked at myself and I realized that I wasn't doing anything. Um, I, I just like reevaluated who I was spending my time with and what I was doing in my spare time and realized like changes needed to happen. Um, that shift happened, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know it's been yeah. a while since we had this conversation, but um, that changed with an invitation, right? Somebody gave you a book, but also somebody invited you to church. Is that, is that, or a, oh, or a church event? No, is that right? um, sort of. Yeah. I, so that was, this was around I want to say late 2014, early 2015, uh, I was invited to a volleyball night. So I had no idea the capacity mm -hmm. of like what these nights were. Like we, I had a small group of friends. We would get wings every Monday night and afterwards they would go to this volleyball thing and I had no idea about it. Um, and then one night they just invited me. So I went and there was just like this massive group of young adults and it was really awesome. And so I went to that every week following and just made like some incredible friends. Um, and like, I grew up going to church and, you know, even during that dark season of life, I would still attend with my parents here and there, but, um, 
I mean, I started going to church more regularly and to a different one than my parents um, because of that group. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like this melting pot of circumstances or like places and things that God had been putting in, into my life that was helping draw me out of that depression and anxiety. How did you go from line cook to photographer? Yeah. Um, so I was actually at one of the last Donald Miller conferences in um, Chicago in, in November 2015. And at the time, like I had a DSLR, I was shooting here and there. I was having fun with it. It was one of the first things that like I actually enjoyed doing. Um, so I was at that conference. Uh, I was actually like back in school taking a creative writing class, thinking that, you know, I was going to get a job in San Diego because I had friends out that way. I had applied for a position at a website called GoFundMe. I'm sure everybody's heard of it. It's great. Um, a friend of mine, two of my friends work there and like putting great recommendations for me, but I had like the worst phone interview of all time. And I was still, <laughs> I was still confident that I was going to get this job. And that's just how much I believed that God wanted me on the West coast. And so I'm at this conference, I'm on the Slack line and I'm asking people like, Hey, where are some churches that, uh, I should go to in San Diego? Like I'm going to be moving there. Like I was so confident. And not even five minutes later, I get that email saying I didn't get the job and I just like sunk in my chair. And um, mm. Jeremy Cowart, who is a, a Christian celebrity photographer, stepped up on stage and shared his story and it really resonated with me. And uh, I remember texting another friend, I'm like, I'm going to find a way to to make money with photography in the next six months. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was an extremely daunting task. But I was like committed to it. I was like, I'm going to find a way to do that. Uh, and then, you know, a week and a half after that conference, I'm back working a, as a line cook and I get a text message from a friend asking if I wanted to drive cross country for a month. Um, and, you know, it's like you can't take off for a month in the food service industry. Uh, you won't have a job most likely when you come back. So I just, knew that was going to happen. So I put my notice in and I said like, Hey, I, I'm quitting at the end of December. And I gave two months notice, which is uh, a really good way to get your hours cut completely if you work in mm. food service. So right. I, nobody believed me. That was like the biggest thing that that was working for me is nobody actually believed that I was quitting. And when it came down to it, they're like, wow, holy cow, you are, you are leaving. And, um, it was a huge blessing. Like I was getting overtime every week. Um, I was getting all of the, the cushy shifts, which was great. Um, and then in January I went cross country for a month with a friend. We lived out of a car and we camped, um, one of the greatest eye opening experiences of my life. And, um, on that trip, I almost died, had really bad hypothermia, um, cause we were sleeping outside in January, but it was, it was totally fine and it worked out great and I'm still alive. But on that trip, uh, while I was in San Diego, actually somebody asked me to be a second shooter for their wedding. And, uh, that was where I like was, I was like, okay, yeah, I would, I would be honored, man. And that's when I started dipping my toes into photographing couples. Uh, as soon as I got back, I was just shooting friends left and right. And people that were either dating or engaged or married. And that was like the foundation that I, I built my business on in a way. It's it just like, get out there and do it. Um, 
Yeah. And so, and to like, the, the only thing that gave me the freedom to be a photographer was those friends that would host those volleyball nights. Their dad owned a produce stand. And so I started working for them five days, four days a week, uh, waking up at 2.30 a.m., driving an hour, setting up produce and selling it. And um, yeah, that was challenging in its own ways. But without that flexibility and freedom, there's no way I could be where I am today. So I want to go back to, I think all of that is great. I want to go back to, you know, I'm just thinking about the listener again, who maybe is still sort of feeling stuck like you yeah. were um, before all of this happened. And I, and I know you said, you know, I just knew that something had to change. Yeah. Um, and I know that you mentioned um, the book and, and that you were invited to volleyball night. And I love seeing how God works in that way. But I'm just wondering for the person who's listening, who's like, I, I need to know what to do now. I need to know what are the steps, like what are the next three things that I need to do to make the shift because mm. things are not working right now. What would you tell somebody who's in that situation right now? I think it's important important to try things that you enjoy. Um, because if you like, I mean, you can quote the, the guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, like you can make $50,000 a year on a blog on the Smurfs. If you invest 50 hours a week into it, um, for me, that looked like taking a creative writing class. Cause I wanted to be a writer. Uh, I wanted to be just like Donald Miller. And then it was taking pictures, um, and I think those were all intertwined in some way of just like telling stories. Um, I think it's, yeah, like I said, it's just important to invest into, into what you enjoy doing. And there's a lot of people that don't really know what they want to do. I think it might be good to take a retreat and, um, go somewhere that's you're isolated and pray and read and journal and just ask what God wants you to do or what he's trying to tell you. Uh, and sometimes that looks like talking to other people that you look to as mentors, um, because like, yeah, you might not have the answer now, but yeah, it's important to get out there. I think trial and error is huge. Um, yeah. We'll return to my interview with Gabe in just a moment, but first here's a quick reminder that I send our free coaching emails every Wednesday with tools, tips, and advice to help you be more productive from a Christian perspective. It's easy to sign up. Just go to donsadler.com slash subscribe. And now back to my interview with Gabe. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think too, one of the things that's come up so many times on this, um, on this podcast is just how transformational serving in a local church has been mm -hmm. for people in finding, um, their purpose, their calling, the thing that they love to do. Did you have any experience with that? Um, I personally did not. I didn't really serve in any any of the churches that I um, attended as far as like growing up. Uh, I did, you know, when I was in high school, I was a part of the sound team and student government. But I do agree that like serving has a huge impact on people's growth. Um, Victor Frankel was a um, psychologist from the... 40s or 50s, I think, that, I mean, it, this is all paraphrasing, like, I don't really remember, but he had, like, an insane asylum that was notorious for suicides, and he transformed that into um, 
a facility that had zero suicides over his the remaining of his tenure. And what he did to do that was he gave people a purpose. Um, and often that came down to like serving other people, because when you find out that like you have the ability to help somebody else, you're going to be, you're going to enjoy doing that just as much as they are receiving the help in some ways. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I find that like, that is a great idea to serve in your church in, in some capacity. Yeah. There's a part of your story that I, I really love, and it, I think, goes along with this theme of exploring yeah. and being willing to try new things. Um, but there was a project that you started. It's been a couple years ago yeah. now, um, but it was really an interesting part of your story, right? Yeah. Tell us about that. So at the end of 2016, I was reading a post on Reddit about why you should always do a 365 Instagram project. And then another friend of mine was doing one uh, called Affirmance that was like positive words every day. And I, I thought like, all right, maybe that's something that I should do. Uh, and the idea of doing a 365 project is a little daunting in itself. But then I, like when I was really digging down into it, I said, I told myself like, I don't want to do like pictures of food every day or places I've been every day. I don't want to just post every day. I wanted to have like a, a purpose or a story to tell. So I basically wanted to do something similar to humans of New York. And the whole idea was to talk to strangers every day and ask them what their story was or what's going on in their life. And it was definitely one of the scariest things uh, I think I've done in a long time just because you'd never know how this person is going to react or what you're going to do or like, yeah, what they're going to say, how they're going to react or, or if their story is going to be, um, be in a position to help other people or if it's going to hurt somebody. I like, I, you just don't know, like it's such a wild card. Um, and so, yeah, for a full year, I talked to strangers and some of the stories that I was able to share were incredible. Um, I can think back to this girl that was like being abused emotionally and would just like ended up like crying in front of me while sharing her story. And just like, she just felt so unloved and like attempted suicide at one point. And um, yeah, like all I wanted to do was just like give her a big hug at the end of it. And um, yeah, it was just a really empowering story of like, there's so much more to, to life than just like ending it at one, at one point because something isn't going where it should be. Um, yeah. Then there were stories where the first handicapped adult that graduated from uh, a state college, which was just awesome. And he even gave the commencement speech at the ceremonies at the end of the year. Um, yeah, just things like that. Uh, it's been really good. I think it's interesting. You, I remember you told me that you did not go out and get five stories in one day. You literally just trusted. Did you just say a prayer every day and say, God, show me the person you want me? Like, how did, how did that work? (laughs) Pretty much most days it went like that. Uh, yeah, I, the idea behind not doing five stories in one day was because I didn't want to get lazy. Cause I knew if, you know, Monday I went out and got the entire week of stories, then I would, I might slip and forget a couple days. And so I just didn't want that. I wanted to like create a discipline. So yeah, 
there would be times where people would be yelling and cursing at me and I'd just briskly walk away and then I'd be like shaking <laughs> and, you know, definitely pray after that to like calm my nerves and to find somebody. Um, and, you know, there'd be times during the winter where it's super dark by 6 p.m. and I didn't get home from work until 7 or 8 sometimes and I'd have to go to a cafe and, you know, I'd just walk around the city trying to, to talk to people. Um, yeah, I think the, some of the more interesting places to go and talk to strangers are airports and train stations because you never know who you're going to run into and who you're going to talk to. And, um, yeah, it was, it's been, yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) It's awesome though. Yeah. Yeah. What's the one story that stayed with you the most from that, from that project? Yeah. Fascinatingly enough, it was, I think in the first month I met a guy who goes by the name of rooster that I met at the train station who we just talked about life for about 20 minutes and yeah, he turned me onto some Philip Yancey books, which were great. Um, which yeah, some of them have like wrecked me, but I don't know. There was just something about him. Like he was in his late forties, I think mid to late forties, um, was excited about getting married up in Maine and just like wanting to just have a, a chill wedding. And this is like before I was like knee deep into wedding photography, but it was just really cool to see like how he enjoyed the simplicities of life. So I, I, I don't know why, but he was just the one thing that like really stuck with me the most. I think it was just because he was so vulnerable so easily. And, um, that was one of the things that was the hardest about this project is it's hard to get people to open up and be vulnerable uh, unless you're vulnerable at first. Yeah. I remember talking to you about this before and I remember you said something so powerful is that this project was a project that you felt like God used to heal you of some of the isolation that you'd felt mm, yeah. in your own life. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I mean, growing up because of that anxiety and depression, like I never really wanted friends because I kept thinking that they were going to leave. Um, because it was like third grade, I had a best friend. He moved to North Carolina. Fourth grade, I had a best friend. He left that school and like on and on and on. Uh, that happened every year up until high school. And by high school, I was just so jaded. I just like, I was so guarded. Um, and yeah, I just never opened up to people. And so being on this project and, and doing this, it, it gave me a platform to accept vulnerability from other people and to be vulnerable and share bits of my story. Um, and, and to, yeah, I remember one person that, um, it was, I, he was going to Florida for house arrest because he's had several DUIs and, I never would have been able to share his story if I hadn't mentioned about like the, the alcoholism from, from college and and the after effects of that. Um, so that was, that was really cool too and really powerful to share. Yeah. Do you feel like you're a more open person in general after walking through that project? Yeah, I definitely think that project had an impact on it in that way. And I think just like who I've grown into over the last four years, has allowed me to do that as well. Um, I feel yeah. like I feel like I could talk about the Enneagram forever too. I'm sure you're very familiar with it, but I'm an Enneagram four with a wing three. So like super into emotions and being open to crying and just like willing to share if people will listen. 
Um, and, and to be able to like step into that role a lot more has been really fun. So as you think over your experience and everything that you shared from, you know, from being little and, and yeah. walking through all of that, what have you learned about God in that process? I think just like as cliche as it is, but just like his willingness to accept you as, as who you are, even when you're broken. Um, mm. Because yeah, there's so many times where it doesn't feel like I, sh- I could be loved by anybody, but he's still there and a part of my life. Um, so to like look back and remember that or, or just to like see every little thing that he did on purpose to put me where I am today, just things that, yeah, those kind of things I'm so thankful for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love your story. I'm so grateful to you for sharing it with us. Like I said, I know that there's listeners who maybe feel are feeling isolated right now who are hearing your story and um, and feeling hopeful about their situation. And, you know, or maybe it's just somebody who's listening mm-hmm. who knows someone um, who's walking through that. And so we just really appreciate your vulnerability and yeah. willingness to share your story. Um but our time is our time is almost up, okay. so I want to switch gears and do our final five five questions yep. designed to further resource our listeners. So let's start with other than the Bible, what's one book that changed your life and why? Yeah, so it's going to go back to uh, Donald Miller's "A Million Miles in a Thousand Years," um, just because it tells you how important story is, and um, you know all of his books are good, so <laughs> check them all out. That's great. And just for our listeners, we will include links for all of these in the show notes. Um, but what is one podcast that you're listening to now and why? So um, at the time, this would have been self-promotion, but uh, the co-working <laughs> space that I operate out of has a podcast called The Hinge Work Podcast, which is on the same vein as this in some ways, um, where we interviewed other creatives and just like what was their story? Uh, it's been changing gears lately. Uh, season two is coming out soon. And that is Mark, who is the owner of Hingework. Him and his wife, Heather, are just going to be sharing what's on their heart and like doing things similar to Cageless Birds podcast. Awesome. What is your favorite Bible verse and why? Um, so I think uh, this came up recently with like a men's group. We just like dove into Hebrews 11. Um, and it was, where was it here? Uh, Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Um, so it's, it's hard to say like, what's my favorite verse, but that's just been on me a lot lately. Um, because it, like it, I keep coming back to like how much God rewards risk. And if you don't have faith in him, like that risk is almost fruitless. Um, so kind of just like tying that all in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And what is the best business advice you ever heard? I think it's people first. Um, that's just so important to me. Like behind every transaction, there's a person with emotions and feelings and, um, we don't always know how they're feeling when they read an email. So sometimes it's just way better to call them and, and talk through things, but yeah, being willing to serve other people is huge. That's great. 
And then you shared with us some advice for anyone who's feeling maybe a little bit stuck that they're on the right path and you shared some really great advice. What else would you say to somebody who is ready to make a change, feeling like it's time for a change in their life? Yeah, I think it's just like look for the doors that God's opening in your life. Um, some of them might only feel like small windows, but they might be open into some, something bigger in the in the long run. Um, yeah, just keep trying things, keep doing things, pray about it, journal. Um, journaling has been huge for me. Yeah. And would you mind taking a moment and just praying over our listeners? Yeah, sure thing. Lord, thank you so much for the time that was spent here um, doing this podcast. We talked about like hurdles and such, but like, man, it just feels good to finally have it um, out there for everybody to listen to. Um, We know that like life can be confusing and hard at times and we don't always have an idea of what our purpose is. Like, I think I still struggle with that at times too of like, man, what am I, am I actually supposed to be doing this? Should I be doing something else? Um, I know that you're, you're, you have this plan for us, God. Um, so we just like, in, in, I just encourage everybody as they like go about their day to like lean into what you have for them. Um, yeah, just like what we're doing is the purpose that you're giving us, even if it's like a long road. It, like, I just see this, like sometimes there's this highway that we think we need to be on, but like sometimes when we take these scenic routes, we're going to find more beauty um, along the road. So yeah, I just pray Lord that people don't lose faith and don't lose hope and in what their purpose is because they feel like they aren't going anywhere. Uh, And instead they can look to you and see joy and happiness. And um, yeah, we just pray that they don't give up on that Lord. Um, Yeah. Thank you for this awesome week and uh, yeah, the ability to record podcasts and and share stories with people, Lord. Amen. Amen. Gabe, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like to thank my guest, Gabe McMullen, for joining me today. Here's a quick reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Gabe online at donsouther.com slash 041. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by The Peak Page, our free daily planning tool. Download your copy at donsouther.com slash peak. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. To hear more conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. This helps us build a community of people just like you who are committed to pursuing God's unique calling for their life. I'm your host, Don Sadler, the Christian Productivity Coach. Thanks for listening. <laughs>